Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I am going to be recording this broadcast on a Wednesday at 2.26 p.m., but it's going to play on Friday, and by now I understand that I'm already going to be down preparing for our crusade. If you have not reserved your place, it is not too late yet. You need to go to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com, sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com, and I think you might still be able to get the buffet package, which is really good. That's nine meals for $200, and that's a buffet meal, and these are nice meals, for about $22 a meal in Dallas, that's a pretty good deal. To get that, I think you'll probably have to call our office, 785-266-1112, 785-266-1112. They'll be able to tell you if the buffet packages are still available. We have over 300 people coming. It is going to be a fantastic time. The whole point of this is surprisingly not to do like a Billy Graham crusade yet where we invite the public. This is for prophecy students, for me to lay hands on them and anoint them with oil to make them prophecy teachers and also to walk in sevenfold miracles. In other words, this is the upper room experience. There's 120 people in the upper room. This is going to have, well, if it was double, about 240. Maybe we're going to have over 300 people, though. But they're going to walk out of this different people. They're going to walk out with the anointing to walk and work in sevenfold miracles and to be able to teach Bible prophecy and to give an answer. And that's the reason I recommend everybody get and read my book before they get to the crusade, if possible. What has been on my heart is to talk about the fearful. The last thing we want to do as Christians is to lose our salvation And I'm not going to get into that, but I can give you some scriptures absolutely positively. We are the only ones that can put our name in the book of life, and we're the only ones that take our name out of the book of life. Yes, I know what you're thinking. Well, wait a minute. If the book of life was written before the foundation of the earth, how can we have our names taken out? I'm not going to get into that either. That's complicated. What I am going to talk about is fearful, because the last thing we want to do is to lose our salvation and to take the mark of the beast because we become a rapture-disappointed Christian. Yes, that's very possible. Possible that because the rapture doesn't happen when we think it ought to, we get mad at our pastor, mad at our church, and start turning in Christians, and we actually turn to the Antichrist. So let's go to the scriptures. First of all, we're going to talk about fearful. I've got about three scriptures here talking about what fearful is. We want to know what the word fearful means according to what the Bible says. Now let's go to Judges 7-2. The Lord said to Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many, to give to the Midianites in their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Therefore go, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Who is fearful and afraid? Let him return and depart, and go early from Mount Gilead, and there return to the people, Twenty and two thousand, and there remained only ten thousand. So in this case, the word fearful means if you're afraid to fight, then you just go on home. Now let's jump to Revelation. We're almost to the point. Matter of fact, this is a major point that I'm trying to make. Revelation twenty one seven. And he that overcometh now let's take just a second. Let me explain the definition of overcomer, because the New Testament definition of overcomer is anybody that's received Jesus. However, the definition for the word overcomer in Revelation is different. To be an overcomer, as Revelation defines it, 
you have to live at the same time the beast, i.e. the Antichrist, is alive. You have to have the possibility of taking the mark of the beast and not, or you're not an overcomer according to the scriptures of Revelation. There's a difference. So when it says, he that overcometh, that means these people lived in the time of the Antichrist, the beast, but they did not worship him. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But, now here's the scary part. When I was memorizing this, see, when you memorize something, you got to memorize every word. And so when you memorize that word, a lot of times things will jump out, at least did with me, and this was one that jumped at me. I thought, man, that, that's really, really scary what this is saying. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, now listen carefully, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Here's the big scary part, which is the second death. That's saying that everybody is fearful, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars. They're not only destroyed body, but they're destroyed soul. That's the second death. Now let's go to some of those words specifically. Sorcerers, well, we know what a sorcerer is. I'll explain that too. The difference between a sorcerer and a magician is this. A sorcerer used things that come from the ground, that come from the earth, to cause people to fall away from Christ. And yes, sometimes that's marijuana, which is the reason you never want to have anything to do with marijuana, or anything else that comes from the ground that would cause you to fall away from Christ. And like, for example, we're talking about these opioids. (laughs) Just because a pharmaceutical company makes it and it's sold from a pharmacy and a doctor prescribed it, if it makes people fall away from Christ, by definition, that is a sorcerer, and it is sorcery to buy it and to use it. Yeah, kind of surprising here. All right, now the next one I want to bring your attention to is magician. That's not in this scripture here, but it is in others. Magician is those people that use evil spirits to cause people to fall away from Christ. Got it? Sorcerer uses things like heroin, marijuana, uh, you know, the other cocaine, things like that come from the earth. They use them to cause people to fall away from Christ, whereas the magician uses evil spirits to cause people to fall away from Christ. Got it? Okay. Now, but the fearful. What's the fearful? Now, before I start on this next definition here, <laughs> let me just say, I'm not trying to offend my fellow brothers and sisters that believe in the pre-trib rapture. I know that almost every church out there teaches it, pastors teach it, Almost, you, you go to a Christian bookstore, try to find a book that does not believe in the pre-trib rapture. Go to Amazon.com, try to find a book on Bible prophecy that does not teach the pre-trib rapture. Good luck. They're almost non-existent. Probably find a whole lot higher probability of getting it at Amazon, but a Christian bookstore? Mm-mm, nah. Why? Because the pre-tribbers see to it that nothing is out there except for what they want to believe, and I'll talk about that in just a second. But the fearful. What's fearful? You see, a lot of times the people are taught the pre-trib rapture because, let's just be honest about it, pastors, bless their hearts, you know, I understand, I've started three churches myself, I pastor a church now, 
but their heart is to get people to come into church, to get people closer to Christ, to get them trained and equipped, all of those wonderful things. Their heart is good. What I've discovered is the heart of the people is not right. The people decide who they're going to hire, who they're going to fire as their pastor. That's your 501c3. They decide what kind of messages that the pastor is going to teach, and they won't let the pastor teach the truth. You see, that's part of prophecy too. Remember where it says in the last days that they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, they will turn their ears away from the truth. And they'll be turned into fables, the Bible says. They won't allow the pastor to teach the truth. So while the pastor tends to catch a lot of the brunt for whatever goes wrong with the church, i tell you, as being a pastor, just seeing the people that come into our church that leave because they don't like it and they aren't going to control me at our church. I'm going to preach the truth because I'm trying to please my Lord, not trying to please them. I'm not trying to please the offering bucket. I'm not trying to get the offering bucket full. I'm not trying to get a bigger building. I'm trying to get a higher resurrection in eternity, you see. So when it says the fearful, it's saying those people that are really afraid to fight. Now, I'm going to come back to that in just a second, so let's keep on with those words. But the fearful, the unbelieving, unbelieving, we know what those are, abominable, those are just people that are just filthy. They just do abominable things. They break the laws. Murderers, we know. Whoremongers, and this might surprise you. You look up the definition of a whoremonger and it is man with man, as in homosexuals. Man with man, surprisingly, it is not woman with woman. The Bible specifically, a whoremonger is man with man. And sorcerers, I explained, idolaters, we know, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake that burneth the fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, here's where Jesus talks about lack of faith. Matthew 8, 32. When he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We perish. In other words, about to sink. And he said unto them, why are you fearful? O oh, ye of little faith. That's what I believe if Jesus were here today, he would say to those people believing the pre-trib rapture. And for this particular broadcast, I'm not going to blame the pastors. The pastors teach what the people will accept. They teach what they're allowed to teach in most churches. And if they were allowed to teach the truth, they would probably tell them there's not going to be a pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath rapture. Nobody's going to get sucked in the air to avoid any kind of trouble. I believe most pastors really know the truth, but they also know the truth that people will leave their congregation and they will be sitting there holding uh, either a set of keys with no one in the room or probably what will happen is they will be issued termination papers. They will be fired. That's right, a 501c3 hires their pastors and they fire their pastors. Matter of fact, let me tell you a little story. I grew up in a little church. I was actually one of the founding members of a church at some nine years old when I got saved. And years later, and that was probably 20, 25 years later, I came back and I was visiting that church. And I was it was Sunday school. This new pastor, they had just recently hired him, was teaching. And I thought he did pretty good. Now, at this time, I had no interest never had any idea that I would ever be in the ministry. 
But after he was done teaching the Sunday school class, I went up to shake his hand, introduce myself, and tell him what a good job he did. Well, stepping right in front of me was a fellow that I'd known all of my life back when I used to go there as a child, and he began correcting this pastor. Now, that's not the kind of thing we want to talk about here. You want to really kind of move it over to talking about this thing. Okay, so this is a guy that is not in the ministry. He's not called to be preaching the gospel, and he's stepping up and telling this man that apparently just came out of Bible college what he's going to say, what he's not going to say. I've always remembered that incident, and so today, let me just say to you pastors, bless your hearts. I know your hearts are good, and you're trying to build your church, and it's very frustrating, and I'll just say this also. I can't tell you how many times my heart has been crushed to see a visitor come in and then never come back. I've seen that. I've seen that countless times. It is, in my opinion, the most difficult job I've ever done, and I used to knock doors. For six years, I sold door to door. You want to talk about something that's difficult to do? That's difficult to do. But pastoring and starting a church is by far more difficult. Times where your congregation members that hugged you and told you they loved you ripped your heart out. So, yeah, I understand about the pastors. Actually, most of the pre-trib error has come from the people because they tell the pastors what they will and what they will not preach. True. So anyway, back to the point here. Jesus is telling them that they need to have faith. Well, have faith for one. Now let's go to the next verse. Let's go to Isaiah 35, 1. And I've got to set this up because this is a real important one. Isaiah 35, 1. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. Now this is talking about Israel in the last days. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. I believe that that is about to happen. Just before the millennium, yes, we know the whole world will blossom as a rose, but this is not talking about the whole world. This is talking about Israel specifically. means that. See, one of the things we want to do is go over there and get a large plot of land, and I don't have time to go into all of that. That's all of the oil thing and everything. And uh, we were going to send out the prayer warriors praying over it and anointing it with oil and doing a salt covenant over it. There's a whole lots of things. And staking it. We believe that when we remove the curses from the land, that the desert will rejoice and blossom as a rose. Now let's go on. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. So that is dating this as saying it's in the near future. This is probably in under 10 years away. It's talking about Israel. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. In other words, it'll be some of the best land on earth. Not just because there's oil underneath it, but because God has returned the blessing and the rain to the desert. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them, here it is, here it is, that are fearful of heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a vengeance, He will come and save you. That is a reference to Armageddon. What he's saying is just before Armageddon, my opinion, this is probably going to take place in the next two, three, four years where the desert will blossom as a rose and then Jesus is going to return to protect them for Armageddon. But he says, say to them that are fearful of heart, be strong, fear not. Well, I believe that that's what Jesus is saying to 
the fearful and the timid Christians that aren't willing to fight for Christ. Now, please, I'm not trying to offend you. I love you. What I'm trying to say is, brothers and sisters, you got to throw this pre-trib stuff away. you got to start doing some research on your own. And I'm about to give you some verses. I'll explain to you what the Bible really says about it here in just a second. You got to throw this pre-trib stuff away. You got to ban it because what Jesus wants is he wants you to stand up and fight against the evil. Let me say it again. He wants you to stand up and fight against the evil in the last days. Look, don't you believe that the Holy Spirit knows the truth? Don't you believe that Holy Spirit knows that there is no rapture salvation? No one's going to get sucked into the air so they don't have to go through any trouble. Holy Spirit knows the truth. Now, here's the point. If pre-trib were really true, the prophecy conferences would cease speaking of it. What? Wait a minute. Every conference, every one of these pre-trib conferences, all of them, must have a new speaker giving the audience new information with new additional proof that the pre-trib is true. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is trying to tell them that they have been deceived. They're wrong. But instead of seeking God with fasting and prayer for the truth, they seek the next speaker to convince them for the 30th time that the rapture is going to save them. Post-trib places like our meeting this weekend, <laughs> we ain't talking about the rapture. We're not going to get up there and try to convince people that it's post-trib because the Holy Spirit's already convicted them. They already know in their heart it's post-trib. They don't have to have somebody else tell them it's post-trib. If I were to get up and try to tell people it's post-trib, they'd just roll their eyes because they already know it is because in their heart it's settled. Now, let me give you the verses that disprove pre-trib rapture. I'm going to give you the best ones. How do I know they're the best ones? Well, let's see. I've made three DVDs on the rapture. I've participated in a three-hour debate on the rapture. I would say quite easily I would consider myself to be one of the experts on the rapture. So here we go. We're going to start. I've got to kind of give you a little background here, but here's where we're going. I'm going to prove to you the very best New Testament scriptures that absolutely positively kill a pre-trib rapture. Cannot be. Cannot be. Here it is. Revelation 16, 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. You remember in my book, I tell a story about how the audible voice of God spoke to me and said that the seven seals play over seven years. The seven trumpets play over the last seven months. And the seven vials play over the last seven days. So this is the sixth angel pouring out his vial. That means when the sixth angel is doing this, we have 24 hours before Armageddon, 24 hours before the day of trumpets, 24 hours before Jesus returns in the evening and defeats the armies that are gathering around Jerusalem to destroy it. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. For these are the spirits of devils working miracles. Working miracles. Did you hear that? Working miracles. They'll use miracles to cause people to fall away, just like Jesus is about to use miracles to cause people to get saved. Working miracles. Going forth into the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. This, brothers and sisters, is literally the day. I'll show you. It's the day before Armageddon. Now listen to this. Here's your pre-trib bubble buster right here. This is going to prove to you there is no pre-trib. 
There is no mid-trib. There is no pre-wrath rapture because the wrath of God happens on trumpets in the evening they are, in the morning they are not, Isaiah 17, 14, I believe it is. Behold, I come as a thief. Who comes as a thief? Ask anybody. Who is it that says he comes like a thief? Well, Jesus, right? Yeah, that's right, okay. Behold, it comes as a thief. So Jesus is saying, I'm coming. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. Okay, who gets the garments? The tares or the wheat? Uh, that would be the wheat. Who gets the garments? The good guys or the bad guys? That would be the good guys. Who gets the garments? The unsaved or the saved? Uh, that would be the saved. Okay, so this is Jesus the day before Armageddon telling all of the people to watch and don't lose their garments. Wait a minute. If the people got raptured seven years before this event, how come he's telling them to watch and keep their garments the day before Armageddon? The reason is, is because they're still there. They're still there, my brothers and sisters. Let's go on. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. That's right, day before Armageddon. Let me go to the best Old Testament pre-trib killers. Let's go to Job 14.12. So man lieth down, that means someone dies, and riseth not, means he does not come out of the grave, till the heavens be no more. When are the heavens no more? Well, I will tell you. That happens on trumpets. That's the day of the Lord. And they shall not awake, nor be raised out of their sleep. So what that just said is no one's coming out of the grave until the heavens are no more. So that just killed the pre-trib right there. O thou that wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath be past, that thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. All right, what is the wrath of Jesus? Well, I will tell you, the wrath of Jesus is the morning star. That's when he returns in the evening and he burns up all of the tares. Matthew 13, 30, gather you first the tares, bind them into bundles, cast them into the fire. Then, and only then, gather my wheat into the barn. Here's the final verse. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait, will I wait, will I wait till my change come. What's the change? Well, that's a new body. So what he's saying is when a, die, a man dies, he will not be pulled out of the grave until the heavens are no more, till his wrath is passed, that's after the burning of the tares, until his change, till he gets his new glorified body. Boom. There you go. I just gave you the very best verses for pre-trib in the Old Testament and killing the pre-trib in the New Testament. Now, again, I'm not trying to offend. I'm trying to keep you from becoming a rapture-disappointed Christian, falling away, taking the mark, and spending eternity in torment. Here's what I mean. Revelation 14, 9. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receiveth his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented, listen carefully, tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of the torment, this is what I want you to hear, ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image 
and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Then it says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Now what he's saying is, there's not going to be a preacher of rapture. You're going to find yourself in a world of hurt. But if you take that mark, you do not get soul death. You will be tossed into the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet, and then later, a thousand years later, then Lucifer is also tossed in there, and it says, the smoke of the torment ascendeth up forever and ever. You take that mark of the beast, brothers and sisters, you get rapture disappointed, you fall away, you take it, and you don't get soul death. See, everybody else whose name is not written in the book of life gets soul death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, unquote. But you take that mark of the beast, mm-mm. You don't get soul death. You get tossed into the lake of fire for all eternity. Well, Stan, I'm saved. I've asked Jesus into my heart. Look at you take that mark of the beast. You worship his image. And your name is pulled out of the book of life, brothers. And I can go quote that verse to back that up. I'm telling you the truth now. I'm telling you the truth. You better listen. Your soul, your eternal situation, your eternal soul depends on you listening and understanding. You, again, I memorized the book of Revelation. I'm telling you, I got 30 revelations. I got two visions. I know that book, and I know the spirit behind that book. Get my book. Matter of fact, let me take a second to talk about it. Get my book. Because in 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. Process, I got 30 revelations, two visions. And God showed me the word first fruits is a secret door that links the feast of Leviticus to the, to the, the prophecies in Revelation. And for the first time, we can know the exact feast that Jesus will return. We know the exact day of the Lord. We know the exact day that the new Jerusalem comes down. All of the events of the last days can be put on sequential order in accordance with the feasts. Now, I don't recommend you get one book for $20. Don't do that. See, get five for 30 or 10 for 55. Here's my challenge. If you read the first 13 pages... That's not tough. That's not much. If you read the first 13 pages, I believe you'll start handing the book around. Look, we are having people coming. that They'll go and get the 5 or 30 or the 10, 50, 55. We have people calling back, buying 20, 30, and 40, 50 books at a time, handing them out all the place, all over. And to this point, I have not got a correction. I've not got a criticism about the book. Yes, I'm sure it's coming. Okay? Somebody someplace won't like I don't care what you say. So I know that's coming. However, it hadn't happened yet. And all of the people that are reading the book are saying wonderful things about it. It's called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, 1 for 20, 5 for 30, 10 for 55. And as you're listening to this broadcast, April 19th through 22, Friday evening is when our Sevenfold Miracle Crusade starts. If you want to come, go to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com, sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. To get the book, go to prophecyclub.com, prophecyclub.com. SevenfoldMiracleCrusades.com or ProphecyClub.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for your gifts of support. God bless. The Sevenfold Miracle Crusade is the start of the greatest miracle revival in American history. I'm sure of it. We're building an army of prophecy teachers and miracle workers to bring in the remaining names in the Book of Life. People who feel a desire to teach prophecy to a scared, uninformed public in panic having found themselves in the end times unprepared without understanding. People who desire to be used in sevenfold miracles greater than any in the past should be at this crusade. 
We will all break our three-day consecutive fast at our Passover meal, April 19th, and follow the footsteps of Moses through Passover, unleavened bread, to the crossing from the sin of Egypt to the sevenfold promised land of first fruits. I will personally anoint and lay hands on all attending to receive the gift to teach prophecy and to walk in sevenfold miracles. This is not advertised to the public. This is for prophecy students who want to be empowered to serve in the last days. SevenfoldMiracleCrusades.com to register. SevenfoldMiracleCrusades.com. Sign up today. See, everyone in the kingdom of God is supposed to be giving. And I have to write out a check every month to the people in the place that I give to. Because, again, we give to just like I know you do too. It would be so nice if they could set up where they could just automatically send a certain amount to themselves each month. Well, we call that process being a partaker. And if you'd like to join, you can call our office, 785-266-1112, and they will set you up so that every month on a certain day, a certain amount is automatically withdrawn from your credit card or placed on your credit card. 785-266-1112. We would love to have you join the Prophecy Club and become a partaker. 785-266-1112.